0: We tell our children to believe in themselves without explaining how to develop that belief. We've fallen for the Instagram version of confidence, emphasizing the projection of belief instead of working on the substance underneath. We need a new approach to building confidence, one focused on the inside. Hi and welcome to Philosopher Insights. My name is Herb Lamba. Today we're discussing do hard things. Why we get resilience wrong and the surprising science of real toughness. The author of this book is Steve Magnus and it's published in 2022. I want to share a number of my favorite insights from this book starting with choose the difficult path, set authentic goals, quiet confidence, time alone in your head, leaders and toughness, drive, constructive rumination, And finishing off with a final thought. So let's begin with the introduction. Quote, For too long, our definitions of toughness revolved around a belief that the toughest individuals are ones who have thick skin, fear nothing, constrain any emotional reaction, and hide all signs of vulnerability. In other words, they are callous. Compounding our confusion, we've resorted to tying toughness to masculinity and an ethos of machismo, the mentality to never show weakness, grind it out, play through the pain, Our vocabulary is telling. We tell our sons and daughters to man up or, in much cruder terms that are heard on playing fields across the country, stop being a pussy. Or as the famous line from the movie A League of Their Own, summarized expectations in sport, there is no crying in baseball. Our definition of toughness in the broader world is broken. We've confused it with callousness and machismo, of being manly and stoic. The old model of toughness is represented in the Bobby Knight School of Coaching authoritarian parents, and the callous model of leading. Toughness has been hijacked. We've prioritized external displays over true inner strength. And there are consequences. Here is the problem. In trying to toughen through callousness, we've trained ourselves to respond to fear and power. The reason we push through discomfort is because we imagine someone is standing over us yelling or that if we fail, we will face punishment. We've been conditioned to see the external as more important than the internal and that putting on a facade of toughness is more important than how we handle difficult times. What I've learned on this journey is simple. We have a fundamental misunderstanding of what toughness is. Being tough isn't some special attribute reserved for the talented. It's attainable to all. Most of us are just walking around with the wrong framework, end quote. That is from Chapter 1 of Do Hard Things from performance expert and executive coach Steve Magnus. In this incredibly insightful book, Magnus forces you to rethink your understanding of toughness, and it's a masterclass to help people develop resilience and persistence during difficult times. The book is broken down into four pillars. Number one is ditch the facade, embrace reality. Number two is listen to your body. Number three, respond instead of react. And number four, transcend discomfort. I thoroughly enjoyed the book, and I hope the insights I extract today will encourage you to read this book. So let's begin. Insight number one, choose the difficult path. Quote, High performers are able to work their way through adversity and challenge with the same equanimity. When put in situations that require toughness, it's not that they are bulldozing through experiences. They navigate them with grit and grace. The best of the best have another factor in common. No, it's not that they're born with extraordinary abilities to manipulate their inner world to handle adversity. It's not that they are immune to stress and anxiety so that they can work their way through situations easier than you or I. Their secret? When dealing with discomfort, they all want to quit. Under extreme levels of discomfort, our biology and psychology push even the toughest of us to give up. Negative thoughts of quitting are normal. They don't mean you are weak. They represent your mind trying to protect you. Magnus shares a flow of how you go from a feeling to a decision. First you feel, then there's an inner debate, then there's an urge, and then there's a decision. When you reach the decision point, you have the choice to find a way through it or freak out because it's too overwhelming. Quote, toughness is about making the pull for closure amid uncertainty work for you, not against you. It's training the mind to handle uncertainty long enough so that you can nudge or guide your response in the right direction. To create space so that you don't jump straight from unease to the quickest possible solution, but the correct one. End quote. This reminds me of one of my favorite lines from Viktor Frankl's powerful book, Man's Search for Meaning, where he says, quote, Everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's way. End quote. There is always going to be a gap between any stimulus and your response to that stimulus. In that gap lies the power for us to choose our optimal response. You can choose to freak out, poor response, or you can choose to fight through the adversity, optimal response. Insight number two, set authentic goals. In a series of studies in the Netherlands, psychologists sought to understand why some individuals are able to make progress and reach their goals while others continually fall short. Over three studies, researchers found that better goal authenticity contributed to better goal achievement. When people choose goals that reflected their true selves, not their public selves, they were more likely to follow through. Those who failed often chose goals that were imposed on them by a parent, coach, or society in general. End quote. Struggling to reach your goals? It may be worth pausing for a moment and reflecting on what type of goals you are setting and why you are setting them. One of the prerequisites to successful goal setting is to ensure they are meaningful to you and they align with your values. It is difficult to achieve goals that are externally motivated and not aligned with who you really are. Insight number three, quiet confidence. Quote, doubts and insecurities are part of being human, even if you're the best in the world. We all struggle with, but want confidence, that sense of assurance that we'll be able to prevail at whatever we do. When we lack confidence or belief, our insecurities and doubts have room to grow. We tell our children to believe in themselves, without explaining how to develop that belief. We've fallen for the Instagram version of confidence, emphasizing the projection of belief, instead of working on the substance underneath. We need a new approach to building confidence, one focused on the inside. As discomfort and doubt rise, the -the devil-on-the-shoulder part of our mind goes on high alert, looking for evidence that backs up its view. Anything that it can use to justify quitting or putting in less effort. When confidence is low, we are priming our minds to be susceptible to the negative spiral. Confidence is a filter, tinting how we see challenges before us and our ability to handle them. End quote. According to Magnus, toughness and confidence are partners in crime; They work together. However, he warns us that it's possible to develop the wrong type of confidence, the one that focuses on acting instead of doing. Quote, We act confident walking around with our chest puffed out as though we have absolute belief and certainty in ourselves and our work. We talk a big game and never discuss our insecurities and doubts. It's all about the appearance of belief. But when push comes to shove, the external variety fails. True confidence has to be founded in reality and it comes from the inside. It's not in the elimination of doubt, but in allowing enough doubt to keep us in check while being secure in the knowledge that we'll find a way past the obstacle in our way, end quote. Acting confident reminds me of the adage, fake it till you make it. Those who pose as someone they are not are known as imposters. Even while your accomplishments are legitimate, imposter syndrome can make you feel as though they're fake. Fake it till you make it might be helpful when attempting to boost confidence, but it can also backfire. In essence, you constantly assert that you are a fake, This can be extremely destructive if you already suffer with feelings of unworthiness or doubt your right to be where you are. Insight number four, time alone in your head. Quote, we'd rather be anywhere but inside our head. In a study led by psychologist Timothy Wilson, individuals were placed alone in a room with no phones, friends, or objects to distract them. There was a chair to sit in and a table with a singular item on it, a button. Subjects were informed that if they pushed the button, a painful shock would follow. The choice was simple. Either embrace the boredom and spend time thinking, or kill time by shocking yourself and inflicting pain. The logical answer is pretty clear. Mind your business and be alone in your head for just a bit. Simple and easy. The behavior of the subjects told a completely different story. 67% of men and 25% of women chose to inflict pain on themselves rather than contemplate their thoughts for just 15 minutes. One individual pressed the button an astonishing 190 times during the 15 minutes. That meant shocking himself every 4.7 seconds on average. End quote. I have heard this study referenced in other books, and every time I read it, I'm absolutely shocked, pun intended, by the results of this study. We live in a world so full of distraction, most of us cannot spend as little as 15 minutes alone in our own heads. At the time of recording this podcast, I am currently reading 12-Hour Walk by Colin O'Brady, which challenges you to be alone with your thoughts during a 12-hour walk. No phone calls, no podcasts, no checking social media, just you and your thoughts. The purpose of this alone time is to break down existing limiting beliefs and discover what is really possible for you. Today, everyone turns to distraction as a way to avoid having to deal with their inner thoughts. But what they don't realize is that their inner thoughts and reflections could actually transform their lives. Insight number five, leaders and toughness. Quote, the leader, be it CEO, manager, or coach, is the one who dictates how much autonomy individuals have. They're the ones who set the stage for belonging and making progress. Do they create a cult-style environment where individuals have little input and are instructed to follow? Are they allowed to take risks and explore potential without extreme adverse consequences? The leaders set the tone, creating an environment that can either support or thwart athletes' basic needs. When those in charge choose the path of thwarting via control and power, subordinates' motivation shifts to pressure and fear. We see increases not only in aggression, but also in burnout. And we see decreases in performance and well-being. Controlling, coaching, and leading doesn't just harm performance, it harms the person. Contrary to old-school expectations, developing toughness doesn't involve training camps from hell or exercise as punishment. It doesn't involve cruel, demanding bosses with little appreciation of the individual. Instead of relying on fear and control, real toughness is linked to self-directed learning, feeling competent in your skills. Being challenged but allowed to fail, and above all, feeling cared for by the team and the organization. End quote. Everyone is a leader in some way. You might be a leader at business or at home. In light of this, it's crucial to recognize the influence your leadership behaviors have on other people if you want others to put forth their best effort. In Stephen Covey's great book, Trust and Inspire, featured in Episode 9 of the podcast, he says, quote, Command and control is about getting things done but it misses the potential power of the people who get those things done. It's about barking out the order so everyone does exactly what they're supposed to do, not because they want to, but because they have to. In short, it's about controlling people instead of unleashing their potential. Trust and inspire is the new way to lead. Its goal is to unleash people's talent and potential, to truly empower and inspire them, rather than try to contain and control them." Please take a moment to reflect on how this applies to your own leadership style at work or at home, because the strongest predictor of how well a person deals with the challenges of demanding work is whether they feel respected and valued by their manager or their leader. As a leader, a manager, a coach, or a parent, you have to examine what type of motivation you are reinforcing with those you lead. Insight number six, drive. Quote, performance equals actual effort divided by expected effort times drive. Whether we call it drive, motivation, or purpose, the last component determines our bandwidth for how far into the depths of fatigue we can push. Contrary to common convention, when we are exhausted, we haven't completely depleted our reserves. Just think, if our brain truly allowed us to go to zero, to empty, would that be smart or dangerous? Your body is trying to protect you and it has a safety mechanism, an alarm that sounds to convince you to slow down, to stop, to make the pain and fatigue go away. Drive determines how close to empty we can push before our body shuts down, before it flips from voluntary shutdown to initiating near catastrophe. We use the level of importance and the risk versus reward to determine how close to zero we can get. Having a strong purpose acts as a turbo boost. When our pursuits match our purpose, we persist for much longer, end quote. Magnus says that it's our purpose that ultimately fuels our toughness. Having a purpose not only allows for higher levels of persistence, it helps to provide clarity in terms of what is important, which leads to better decision-making. Insight number seven, constructive rumination. Quote, Individuals who experience post-traumatic growth don't avoid the discomfort. They experience the same flood of emotions and rumination of their internal voices That everyone else experiences. They are able to sort through and explore discomfort. Instead of intrusive rumination that causes them to spiral, they alter their inner voice using what psychologists call deliberate and constructive rumination. Deliberate rumination means an internal dialogue that's focused on reflecting on and dealing with the situation in a more controlled and non-judgmental way. To switch our inner world from intrusive to deliberate, we need to have a sense of control and an ability to understand and regulate our emotion. When we explore instead of avoid, we are able to integrate the experience into our story. We're able to make meaning of the struggle and of suffering. Meaning is the glue that holds our mind together, allowing us to both respond and recover. It stalls the jump from difficulty to complete despair, from fear and anxiety to full-blown freakout, end quote. It's likely every single one of us engages in some form of disruptive rumination following a negative or traumatic event. But I love the idea of changing the way in which you ruminate. If you're going to ruminate, why not use it to support your personal growth instead of sending you on a downward spiral of apathy? One way to do this is to find meaning in everything that you do, even the most mundane of activities. Try to extract the meaning. As Magnus says, quote, freedom is the key to meaning. Freedom to choose how you saw and experienced every part of suffering, End quote. Insight number eight, final thought. Quote, my hope is that this book is a small step toward a major course correction, one that teaches our children that acting tough isn't the same as being tough, that being vulnerable and honest isn't a sign of weakness, but a sign of strength. It's time to redefine toughness. It's more important now than ever before. We're all capable of developing such inner strength, even those who might be labeled as weak or failures. Here's to embracing reality. Being secure in who we are, embracing our feelings and emotions' information, fulfilling our basic human needs, and finding meaning and purpose in life to carry us through life's challenges. Be who you are. That's real toughness. End quote. Those are the final words of this incredible book by Steve Magnus, Do Hard Things. The podcast today only touches on a small portion of the insights Magnus shares in this book, which is simply jam-packed with thoughts and strategies to help you dive deeper into a timeless and timely topic. It is a masterclass in how to develop resilience and persistence. In addition to this great book, Magnus also co-authored Peak Performance and The Passion Paradox. He has a weekly newsletter and a podcast titled The Growth Equation, which I would urge you to check out and learn more about the great work of this wonderful author. You've been listening to Philosopher Insights. My name's Herb Lamba. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great day. You've been listening to Philosopher Insights with your host, Herb Lamba. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To go deeper with me, you can register for free at www.philosopherinsights.com for instant access to a growing library of Philosopher Insights, which are 8-10 to page PDFs, plus 20-minute MP3s that break down my favorite insights from the world's best personal development books. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Facebook at Optimal Herb. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.